gentlemen, welcome back to another edition of No Names All Game. Today is Wednesday, nope, Thursday, January 16th. The season is over. LSU Tigers are national champions in pretty exciting fashion. But we are back to talk some Penn State football. My name is Chris, joined by my co-host, Pat. It has been month month and a half since we've talked pat how are you man yeah since since uh before the bowl game yeah yeah we did uh we did a preview oh, we did watch together so we did pat was in new york went to a mercury bar in new york city to watch the game it was a great game your nittany lines are cotton bowl champs uh finished the season 11 and 2 is that right yeah great season um obviously we wanted national championship we wanted playoff we wanted the big 10 championship it didn't happen but we're here to wrap things up um okay. 11-2 and two and finish the year ranked at number nine for what, you know, most people were predicting as a rebuilding year, and the over-under was set at, what, eight wins? I think it was like eight and a half, yeah. So, pretty good. Pretty good. Um, I think most people had us at eight and four, nine and three, so you finish the regular season at ten and two, and then you get a bowl win over, I mean, I'll say it, a pretty good Memphis team. Like, I gave them a lot of shit on our preview saying that they weren't in our league and I shouldn't be worried about them. Put up a hell of a lot of points on us. Like, they, they moved. So, we'll get into the Cotton Bowl recap a little bit. Um, this episode is, is kind of a, kind of a, what do they call it? Like a potpourri. And we got a bunch of random shit together. A hodgepodge. Uh, yeah, take my man card for saying potpourri. But uh, this is going to be a little bit of everything. We're going to talk a little bit NFL draft. We're going to talk a little bit coaching changes. We'll, we'll look back to the Cotton Bowl quick. Um, and just take, take some questions from you guys on Twitter. Um, yeah, it's going to be fun. We're going to have a lot of off-season content for you. This is our first ever, hopefully, video podcast. We're trying something new. Pat, you are on video. Last time I put a video out, you were flexing unknowingly. So, I was stretching, and it looked like a flex. Sure. Embarrassing for me. Exactly, exactly. So uh, I didn't yeah. even have a pump. It wasn't good. I thought it was pretty good for what it's worth. <laughs> but, uh, but here nor there, we got a lot to talk about, so let's jump right into it. Uh, we will start with the heavy topic. Uh, if you are on Twitter, on social media, anywhere in the world of Penn State news, you heard this. Uh, two days ago, Isaiah Humphreys, who was a safety with Penn State for one year, uh, filed a lawsuit against James Franklin, um, named a couple of players in uh, what allegations are a violent and sexual hazing uh, situation. So before I say anything, before any of us say anything, we're going to start with this. If any of these allegations are true, we obviously do not support that. We think it is terrible. It is fucked up. It should be punished. It should be handled appropriately. And we hope that it's not true. Is that fair to say, Pat? Are we aligned on that? Yeah, of course. And this is not something you want to hear about a program or a school that you love. Uh, I, I really hope it isn't true. Not just because of the ramifications it'll have on something I love, but because I, it's a horrible thing. Yeah. And you don't want something that, you know, you represent that represents you to be doing something wrong, like something so wrong. Yeah, exactly. And that's what I think the biggest piece is like, okay, so we, we've said our, we've said our piece there. And I think like, it seems ridiculous that we have to say that, but I feel like you do because of just the nature of it all. Like, yeah, if, of course, if, if this is true, of course, that's fucking horrendous. I hope it's not, but let's start with what we actually know. So here's all we know. And, and this is, we'll get into my feelings on how people have handled this in a minute. What we know is that Isaiah Humphreys filed a lawsuit. It's a civil lawsuit against Franklin, named some players. I don't know if it's against the university. I don't know exactly who, but filed the lawsuit that these things happened. 
What we also know is that this was brought up, um, I don't know exactly how long ago, about a year ago, when, I guess when he was on campus, um, they got the Office of Sexual Misconduct, the Office of uh, Student Affairs, and, and the DA involved. They investigated, found no criminal charges, and dismissed it. That's it, as far as I'm concerned. Like, that's all we know. Are you an insider? Do you know anything else? Uh, the only other thing I know is that the lawyer representing Isaiah Humphrey is just the same lawyer that represented the doctor who was wrongfully dismissed. Right. And so this is his second lawsuit in as many years against James Franklin. Yeah. So there's, I mean, there's a lot, like, there's a lot to talk about, but there's also not. And, and here's where I'll start. I tweeted this out the other day. Um, one of our followers who, who tweets us a lot, Nick Rocky, uh, you know, first tweeted it to me. He was like, hey, emergency, what do we do if this is true? And like my answer, and I, I mean, it's not trying to like play it cool. Like my actual answer is, I have no idea, man. Like, I don't play the what if. Like, what if this is true? What if is what's going to happen? I have no idea, dude. Like, all we know is that a lawsuit happened. These allegations are brought up historically. The team investigated, the school investigated, the DA investigated, whatever happened. It was dismissed. That's all I know. Like, I, I don't like getting involved of like, this is true. This isn't true. This is going to happen. This isn't going to happen. It's a lawsuit, man. Like, that's what, the, that's what the judiciary system is there for. Let it play out. I will say, though, the story sounds a little, it doesn't really add up to me. Yeah. So let's, let's, let's get into that. And, you know, obviously we'll preface this with, these are our personal opinions. That's why we do this podcast. Like, you know, th this is what we think of it. So my, my first problem with all of it is the reporting and the way the media handles it. Um, so Penn Live was the first ones to break it, at least that I saw. Um, I used to love Penn Live when I was a bit younger, like a year or two years out of school. They were like almost on like the daily. I would read their shit every day, just like keep in tune with Penn State football. This is kind of like before some of the bigger blogs happened. I used to really like them. Um, as I've gotten older and like, I don't know, I don't love trashing people. They're just bad journalists, man. They're not good at what they do. They, they, they are very clickbaity. Like them and Onward State are probably two that I, at this point, just like, I don't follow anymore. I don't read. I used to really like Onward State too. Same. And like Onward State's, I guess a little bit different cause they're mostly student journalists. So like you give them a little bit of slack. Like there are a couple of people who write for Onward State, but I do still really enjoy reading them. And I'm sure, and I'm sure there are. And like. PenLive, same thing. I don't mean to generalize. I'm sure there's some, some great people, but like PenLive came out with it first and like their headline was like uh, Coach Franklin and players like sued for this, which like, yeah, that's factual. They are sued for it, but they gave zero context on what actually happened or, or any of the past details. And that's the thing. Like, obviously we don't know what actually happened. The only people that know what actually happened are the people in that locker room. So, like, what pissed me off is they put out this huge article, like, drop this bomb, and don't include anything that, like, hey, this happened, it was raised to local authorities, it was dismissed, all that kind of stuff. Like, I, when, when Nick first tweeted it to us, the first thing I did, I just Googled Isaiah Humphrey's lawsuit, Penn State lawsuit. I was like, hey, let me see what else is out there. And I found the 24-7 article within, I don't know, two minutes that cited all of that historical information. And, like... Again, that's not to say it's right, wrong, and different. Like, none of us know the truth, but, like, if you're going to put that kind of story out there, give me the context, you know? Yeah. I'm, I'm, honestly, the big thing in the story that didn't make sense to me is that he claimed this was, I think the exact words was, it was hazing by the upperclassmen against the underclassmen. And then the three people he named, four people he names are 
Micah Parsons, same age as, this, as Isaiah Humphreys. Yep. Jesse Lucada, I believe, also the same age as Isaiah Humphreys. Um, who's the teammate he went to Harrisburg with? Uh, Damian Barber. Same age as Isaiah Humphreys. And Yitro Gross Matos, one year older than Isaiah Humphreys. Like, those are all also underclass. I'm like, who wrote this kid's story? Jesse Smollett? <laughs> like, it just doesn't make any sense. <laughs> oh, well, I, I, I'm not going to go there. I'll tell you that. But, but yeah, that was, one, that was one thing that pissed me off too. Like, yeah, so Jesse and Micah are in the same recruiting class as him. Yitor is one year older, and Damian, I think, is one year older as well. Say, like, here, no, there. They're all freshmen and sophomore, which, again, if these things happen, doesn't make it any better. But if you are writing a story and you are helping craft this narrative, like, be smart about it. And, like, Penn Live, you cover Penn State. You should, like, listen, if the lawyer writes in the lawsuit that they was upperclassmen, yeah, of course, he's trying to make the case sound as bad as it can be. Like, there's a lot of shit in there that is worded very strongly. And again, if it's true, like, I'm going to stop saying it after this one, but if it's true, it's terrible. Um, but as a lawyer, that's what you do. You word things as severely as you can. As a Penn State beat writer, like, unless you are quoting from the lawsuit, like, word for word, you should at least make a note of it. Um, I read I read an article on, uh, on The Athletic, Audrey Snyder, who I love. Like, I've referenced her many, many times in this podcast. I love her writing. She wrote in there, she's like, and upperclassmen ringleaders, which again is a quote from the lawsuit. But as a writer who covers the team, why not put a note in there of, note, these players are the same age. Like, I don't know. It just, it, it seems shady. And like, I have a problem with how Penn State media covered it because it was just, it was all accusatory, all like sound the alarm. Things are terrible. This is a problem. Whereas, like, I don't know, I would have liked to seen more of at least the Penn State media saying, hey, this happened, here's what happened in the past, here's what we know, and this is maybe how it might play out. Like, when you see TMZ and ESPN and all the others going crazy on it, like, yeah, it's bound to happen. It is what it is. But, I don't know, I was a little disappointed by how internal Penn State media covered it. It's also, they talked about how he, they Penn State, like, sandbagged him throughout the uh, transfer process, like, there's absolutely no history of Penn State doing that to anybody. Yeah. Jawan Johnson went out of his way to thank Penn State in his uh, declaration letter. And then there was another player who transferred who's at Rutgers now who just came out on Twitter and said, like, yeah, I was on campus at the same time as this kid, and he was treated great. Yeah, yeah. So, and, and this is, like, I want to be, like, super clear here. I'm not defending anything here. Like, I'm not trying to come across as, like, this didn't happen because, again – I don't know what happened. Yeah, and I don't know. I don't think it did, but yeah. I don't know. I, I'll say this. I would like to believe it didn't happen. I have no idea what happened. And if you are out there claiming you know what happened, you're an idiot. And I'll get to that point in a minute. Um, but what, I, what you did bring up that I like is, is yeah, uh, a lot of current players, former players, came out tweeting sort of their thoughts on it. And honestly, I was a little surprised by that because... For me, like the way I see this happening is the lawsuit happens. Franklin hears about it. I imagine he has probably a, you know, very intimate meeting with Micah, Jesse, uh, Damian, and Etor since they were named in this lawsuit. Um, and then probably I imagine addresses the team as a whole. Like you don't let these things just linger. You know what I mean? Um, and Franklin, from what we've seen, is is kind of a private guy with things. Like doesn't talk about injuries. Doesn't talk about discipline. A lot of people were bringing up that, you know, several of these players were disciplined throughout this year. 
uh, Yitor was not there over the summer for, you know, violation of team rules. Uh, Damian missed the Idaho game. Micah was disciplined one game for violation of team rules. Like, people are trying to, like, infer so many things. We have no idea what those are. Like, zero idea. Um, but that being said, like, players started tweeting and they started, you know, putting their thoughts out there. Um, and like some are a little bit more detailed than others. Like the first one I saw was Lamont Wade said, just said lying, looking for attention. Obviously, you know what he's talking about, but doesn't really address it. Uh, Tyler Rudolph said, come on now, y'all believe this nonsense. Fred Hansard, I hope y'all don't believe that nonsense. Rashid Walker, it's sad what people would do to knock a brother down. God don't like ugly. Uh, Devon Ellie's nonsense. Steven Gonzalez just tweeted two uh, blue caps, which I, I explained to some of our older Twitter followers. Cap means lie. Felt, felt pretty proud about that one. Okay. Uh, you, you ever hear people say, like, no cap means I'm not lying? So Never when, heard it. Okay, but... listen. Stay up with the lingo, Pat. This is what the kids say. I'm an old man, baby. When, when people say no cap, it means no lies. So, like, Steven Gonzalez just tweeted out two blue hats, which means, like, cap. He's lying. Um, this one struck me the most. Uh, in the top, like, two or three. Garrett Taylor, <laughs> who we've, you know, we've seen to be a very stand-up guy tweets, I don't speak out often, but not going to sit here while Penn State football is falsely being dragged through the mud by someone who quit on the program. And then Jonathan Sutherland, quote, tweeted that and said, facts. Like, and this is not to say I trust certain guys over others, but like, Garrett Taylor's a fairly quiet dude. For him to come out and speak on it, that that spoke to me. Um, Jonathan Sutherland, who went through what he went through this year with the whole, uh, the letter that he was sent for his dreads and, and all of that, for him to speak out on it, that was kind of, you know, eye-opening for me. Uh, and then, like you mentioned, Corey Bolds, who is a player, he was at Penn State. He had moved on, went to another school, and I think is now at Rutgers, said, I was at Penn State when Isaiah got on campus, and I promise you the allegations are false, looking for money and a headline. Um, and then the last one, Ryan Bates. Did you see Ryan Bates? Yeah, straight up. <laughs> he went in. He went off. So he said, he said, this kid absolutely sucks. I was there when he was, and nothing but trouble came from this kid. From the jump, he made a name for himself for being a troublemaker. I can assure you that everything that comes out of his mouth is a lie. All caps, this dude stinks. Um, like, and again, I, I really don't want to, like, sit here and pick a side because, like, if this actually did happen to the kid, like, I feel terrible. Like, that would be awful. And, like, this is a, this is a common thing in, like, sexual assault in real life. People don't come forward because tons of people say they're lying, saying they're doing it for fame. Like, it's a real problem in this world. I'm not going to get too deep into that, but, like, that, that exists. But from a semi-biased view, obviously, like, when that many people are coming out saying these things, it's just like, do I think something happened, some version of hazing, some version of, like, messing around? Yeah, of course. Like, if you don't think that happens in football, you're an idiot. Like, of course that happens. To what extent? Man, I have no idea. I really don't. And I hope, I hope it's not as bad as Isaiah is making out to be in this lawsuit. Yeah. It's a good way to put it. You know? Um, so I think, I think that's like, that's most of what I have to say about it. The last thing I'll say, and like, now that we're on video, I'm going to talk right to you guys. This, this is one thing I would say to the Penn State community. We are in no position to be on a high horse. We are all aware of things that have happened in Penn State's past, including sexual assault. Sandusky's name is involved in this lawsuit. Like, 
These are serious allegations. For every person who is out on Twitter replying to every single article, to every single person who's saying Penn State should get the death penalty, of course this should happen at Penn State, Penn State sucks. For all of you that are going out and typing, uh, the DA dismissed it, uh, it was investigated, uh, there was a lie detector, you are part of the reason that people call us a cult, that people say that we are blind. Just shut up. Just let it happen. Does it suck? Yeah, it sucks. Is it like tough to sit there and watch people trash your school? Of course. But there are bigger things in life. Stop replying. Just stop tweeting. Stop saying all these things. You are making us look bad. Yeah. Like, we, we don't have a ton of moral high ground. Like, it's so bad right man. now. And it's, it's like, like the people who are going to sit out there and say, like, oh, of course Penn State would let this happen. They let Sandusky happen. Do you really think you're going to change their minds? Do you really and think those your are reply? clowns, too. Yeah, but do you think your reply saying, hey, the DA dismissed it, do you think that guy is going to reply back, like, oh, thanks for sharing that. I now see your point. No. Yeah, no. Like, that guy listens to Alex Jones and thinks the government's turning the frogs gay. Yeah. Right? Yes. Like, <laughs> just don't talk to him. Just don't do it. Just don't do it. Like, I love Twitter, but Twitter is a cesspool. Like, it's, it's, a, it's a great place. It's a terrible place, and that's why we love it. But, like, you all going out there being your, like, keyboard warriors trying to change people's perspective only makes it look worse because, again, we don't know the facts. Listen, when this lawsuit happens, if it comes out and this judge says, hey, None of this is true. We're not, we're not, you know, ruling in your favor. We believe this is all made up. Sure. Then, like, send your tweet of whatever you want. It's still not going to do anything. Like, people are still going to believe what they want to believe. But, like, I don't know. That bothers the hell out of me. And, like, there's a lot of people that I follow and that, like, I like that are out there doing this thing. I unfollowed several people this weekend. Like, I, I just, you don't make us look good. So, please, to all of you that are doing that, just stop. All right, is that enough on the lawsuit? Are we, are yeah. we good there? Okay. I, I think we covered it. So it was going to be quick, 15 minutes later. Um, Cotton Bowl. Let's talk about the Cotton Bowl, man. Penn State wins the Cotton Bowl. We watched it together in New York City out of Penn State Bar. There was a ton of fun. Um, drank a couple of Bud Lights. Not many, but a couple. Um, read many. Uh, Penn State won, man. It was, it was a big win. A lot of points scored on both sides. We're not going to do a full review here, but like, what stuck out to you about the Cotton Bowl, man? Uh, the offense looked great. Man, the running game looked good. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there was this was a game that I'm very happy we won, but also just showcased a lot of holes in the team. Um, I, kind of a best-case scenario that you see these holes. They've been exposed. Hopefully things are going to be working on next season. But we still come out with a W. We get a New Year's Six win. We finish 11-2. and two. We finish ranked number nine in the country. So all good things. Yeah, I mean, you got to be happy with it. We win 53-39, to 39, and do you like letting up 40 points? No, but, I, dude, honestly, Memphis's offense was better than I gave them credit for. Like, they yeah. they looked okay. Um, I, I I liked a lot of things in this game. Um, obviously, we have an interim play caller. Tyler Bowen is calling the plays. Um, I think my prediction was that he was going to dial us something crazy. We didn't quite see that. Um, they well, just kept running the ball. Yeah, and why wouldn't you? We were averaging, like, 10 <laughs> 10 yards a carry, something like that. Um, I mean, Journey Brown averaged 12 and a half. Noah Kane, 6. Ricky Slade, 11. Like, pretty damn no good. No reason to stop. Pretty damn good. 
Uh, Journey had two touchdowns. Noah had two touchdowns. Cliff threw one to Dotson. Um, I mean, it was it was just, touchdown. Did he? Yeah, one yard touchdown, baby. Oh wow, look at that! My screen was not scrolled down enough. Sorry. Devin Ford had a touchdown. Oh yeah, because then we I I literally had a tweet drafted for if Ricky got in four for four. The lawn boys do it. Didn't happen, unfortunately. Uh, but Ricky five for fifty eight. We'll take it. Um, John yeah. Dotson with the receiving touchdown. Yeah, uh, Garrett Taylor with the uh, pick six at the end, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Marquise Wilson had an interception. Like, yeah, this game is a month ago at this point. Obviously, we're not going to do a super deep dive on it. Um, I think there's two guys for for a lion. If we're talking about it, I don't have a lamb. I, I'm sorry, I don't. But if we're going to do a lion, I think there's two. So take your pick. Who's your first? Who's your lion? I'm going with Micah Parsons, man. Yep. Uh, I. Yeah, you know, the other guy's going to get mentioned what a great game he had, but Micah Parsons had 15 tackles, two sacks, the uh, forced, I don't know if you want to call it a fumble or forced the interception that led yep. to the touchdown, but he couldn't be stopped out there, man. He was an absolute beast. And in a day where the defense struggled to stop this, uh, this Memphis team, he came up big in a lot of spots. Yeah, And even when they scored points, I think Micah Parsons is a big part of the reason that they came away with three instead of seven. Yeah, I completely agree. I think Micah played out of his mind. He was all over the field. And we, we've, like, I feel like I've said that exact phrase on a couple of different weeks of this podcast. But, I mean, it just shows you how athletic this dude is, how fast he is, how strong he is. and How smart he is, man. He's, yes. He diagnosed his place so fast. It's beautiful, man. It is beautiful to see that. Like, he, he's one of those guys. Uh, you, ever, you ever hear the hypothetical, like, hey, if you could have, like one person's athletic ability for a day, who would it be? Like, obviously your answer is like LeBron James, like something like that. Mike Parsons up there, man. Like I, w- I would love to be that fast, that strong, that smart, all in one. He had a great day. Um, I tweeted this out during the national championship. Uh, what a game, by the way. We'll get into that at some point. National championship was amazing. So we won't get into it, but. Also, oh, if I'm going to have anyone's athletic ability for a day, it's going to be Saquon's. Over yeah. LeBron any day. Yeah, that's fair. I actually, that was another hypothetical. Uh, I think, shout out Tony Black, our friend, had that uh, as who is more athletic, LeBron Saquon. or Saquon. I pick Saquon, but I can, it's a, it's a, like, not, he's faster, not, stronger, and jumps higher. I don't know. Where, yeah, I'm going to pick Saquon, but it's a fun, <laughs> it's a fun discussion topic, all right? It is, it's, but there's uh, one right answer. Yeah, it's not who's, who's more dominant in their sport, it's who's more athletic. It's the quads. Um, but Micah, hell, Micah's up there at this point. Um, what was I saying? Oh, national championship game. Um, I tweeted out, like, I can see, as much as I wanted Micah to win the Butkus Award, I can see why Isaiah Simmons won it for Clemson. He had a hell of a game, but listen to me. Micah Parsons will run away with that award next year. Like, I just, I don't see how it's possible that he doesn't. He's that fucking good. Um, that said, my my line is easy. It's Journey Brown. Um, I, th- I think those are the two guys, like, and they both got uh, recognized by the all-bowl team. I don't know who selects that, but they pick the best performers from the bowl games. Both Journey and Micah were selected to that. Journey Brown, 16 carries, 202 yards, two touchdowns. And, I mean, the, the most impressive thing is just grown man football. I don't know if it was, was it his first touchdown or second, but stiff-arming dudes into, like, the seventh ring of hell. It was beautiful. Like, absolutely beautiful. And I, I say this a lot on this podcast. I actually looked to find if I could find the tweet where I said, like, I didn't think Journey was that great. 
I don't think it was a tweet. I think it was probably on one of our episodes. I just, I'm going to continually apologize to Journey Brown for the rest of my life. Like, I dismissed him so early as like, yeah, he'll be a nice piece. He'll be a change yeah. of pace. This dude is really good. Like, he is a bona fide running back, and I cannot wait to see what he does next year. Oh, I mean, he was, ugh. Like, I, I got no words for what Journey Brown did in this game, man. Seriously. I mean, he was a man. His profile coming into college, I, I think he was probably, I think he was a three-star recruit. Um, he's from Pennsylvania. I'll say Meadville. I don't know if that's right. But his profile was like, he was a superstar track star. He was like 110, meter, 110 meters uh, hurdles. I think, state, state champ. 100 meter state champ. Super, super fast. He had one game in high school where he scored like, 10 touchdowns and ran, and he for, ran for like 700 yards. <laughs> yeah, it was insane. Absolutely insane. But that was like his profile. It's like he's a speedster. He can do all these cool things. And like coming in, you were like, oh, maybe he'll be a punt returner or a kick returner. Or maybe he'll be like a special teams ace. So like naturally, I just kind of figured it'd be like, all right, it's Ricky Slade. We got a couple of these hot freshmen coming in. And then Journey will do like anything. And that'll be a bonus. And then he became our number one running back and dominated. Like... I know, again, I know that's a bit biased, but, like, he was really good this year. Really good. Yeah. Um, he, I'm, I'm very excited to see what he does. Yeah, and we have some questions about the rotation that we'll get into. Um, pro Football Focus, I tweeted this out yesterday. Um, I'm, I'm indifferent on Pro Football Focus. Do you follow them at all? Not that much. Yeah, they're... Uh, they're big, like they're big into analytics. So they give grades to every player, and they like they grade their top players. And a lot of times, like the the technical highest graded isn't the best player. It's like I can't get bought into all of it. But they did a list of their top returning running backs, top twenty five for next year, and uh, the list of Journey Brown at nineteen, which, in my opinion, is very low. Um, but it's kind of cool in general as part of a four running back rotation, like to be listed at all, I guess. Yeah. Um, but but was, what was interesting is they listed some of his numbers about uh, r- running up the middle. Um, in between the guards, he was averaging 10.1 yards per carry, 7.5 yards after contact, and just about a half a broken tackle on 37 attempts between the guards. Listen, you want to talk about ground and pound football, Dernie Brown's your man. <laughs> like, that's yeah, pretty damn good. that's from a guy who's thing is supposed to be how fast he is exactly exactly he's doing that up the middle yeah and but then he shows you like like the one in the cotton bowl where he he runs outside and stiff arms this dude like he's got that extra burst too he's got he's got a little bit of everything man and i'm i'm excited to see how the rotation plays out because obviously we know how talented noah kane is we know devin ford can be a piece we know ricky slade can be a piece we have two four stars coming in we'll get to this twitter question in a little bit um but cool to see for journey now so he's my lion um all in all, for me, again, Cotton Bowl, not great to let up 40 points. I, I don't I don't know. I'm not going to put blame anywhere in particular there. Secondary is getting beat a little bit. It it happens. Like, it is what it is. This is this is a positive podcast. This is the end of the year. We're being happy. Shout out to Micah and Journey. You guys are our final Lions of the year. Um, Yeah, season look back. So what did we finish? 11 wins, three of the last four years mentioned. Um. I don't have much else to say, man. Like, all in all, it's a solid season. Yeah, I mean, it, it's a season you have to be happy with considering what the expectations were. Yeah. Clearly outperformed expectations. 
Like the only thing you could be disappointed in was at one point we thought we could go to the college football playoffs. Yeah. Ranked as high as four. And we're like, listen, even if I was even saying, like, even if we lose to Ohio State, if it's close, that's the only loss, like that should still be able to get us in. Yep. That but damn Minnesota game. Yeah. 11 and two. It's, it's gotta, gotta be happy with it with a first year starting quarterback. True. Very true. And with, with a team that was flawed. I mean, we had a lot of trouble stopping the pass this season. Mm-hmm. Um, we had a lot of trouble had with, you know, consistent receiving options. Yep. So I, the, the, there are things we're going to have to work on for next season. And I think we've already done a, a good job addressing them and coaching hires, but there's definitely uh there's, there's, you gotta be had this room for improvement on an 11 and two team. Yeah. You know, I agree. no one looked at this team and said, oh, wow, this is the ceiling. Like this is as good as it's getting. Well, so you gotta like that. I think there's so much room for improvement, which is crazy. Like 11 and two. And you're like, Oh my God, there's so many things we can get better at. Which is wild. Like if you're, again, we've said this many times, if you're someone who doesn't like James Franklin's your coach and doesn't think this program is a good spot, you're an idiot. Um, all right, choose your own adventure time. Do we pivot to Twitter questions right now because a lot of them are relevant to what we're talking about, or do we keep going through some of the topics? TQs. Let's cut. You know what? TQs. Audible. Audible. We're going to the TQs. This uh, this video is brought to you by Sierra Nevada. No, it's not. I'm just having a beer. All right, Twitter questions. Um, because we talk about the growth of this team and where can we go, we're going to start. Um, CJ Scalzetti. We actually. Oh shit! We have a voicemail from Sweeney. Nice. It's the return of Sweens. I'm recording my screen so I can't get out of this thing. Like I'm in a window. Like I'll try to get on my phone. We'll figure it out. We'll get to there in a minute. Um, but let's just start with CJ Scalzetti. CJ Goon, our guy. Um, speaking about where this team is and where can we go, he says, honest feeling, watching LSU Clemson, how far away do you think we are from that level? So let me start with this. Pat, did you watch the national championship game? I was at work, so no. Dude, what kind of college football fan are you? One who has a job. <laughs> very, very fair. Very fair. Um, I did watch it. It was an incredible game. Uh, I'll say this. Uh, for those that have listened to us for a while, you know that I used to live out in L.A. with Pat. I have since moved back to New York. Watching that game on East Coast time was awful. I didn't go to bed till like 1 in the morning. Like This is what you people do? Like West Coast, it starts at, what, like 5 p.m.? You're done by, like, 9. You have a good night. Unreal. Um, but it was a great game. It was it was an incredible game. Clemson came out firing, got an early lead, and then Joe Burrow started doing Joe Burrow things. And that LSU offense, Jamar Chase, who I am in love with as a wide receiver, started doing his thing. It was an incredible game. Um what are your feelings, though, as far as, like, even college football playoff in general, watching some of those games? Like, how far away do you think we are from them? I don't think, I don't think we're that far, uh, especially in consider. I was not impressed by, like, the defense played by either team in that game. Um, I think Penn State probably has a better defense. Mm, I don't know. That might be a little bold, but Penn State might have a better defense than either of those teams that were in that game. Um, especially if we're able to get the secondary working a little bit better. Um, I just, it's the offense that, you know, consistency on offense that I think is where we lack against really elite teams where it's, they get the ball and you just like, Oh, it's probably going in the end zone. Now there's, yeah. there's a good chance 
that this is just going to be a 14 play, you know, six minute drive that ends in seven points. And that hasn't been, haven't been able to do that against competition like a Clemson, like an LSU. That's where it hasn't been. Like we can do that against teams that we're supposed to do it against. But, you know, you see Ohio state come out and put together four drives in the first half that each take five minutes and, and then touchdowns against us. That's something Penn state really hasn't done on a high level, except maybe in the first three quarters of the Michigan game. Sure. And that's fair. Um, and I actually really like that CJ asked this question because I was, I was kind of thinking it throughout that game as I'm watching, but I think we're close final answer. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm good with that. Um, my answer is I go back and forth, man. I really do. Um, there were moments of that game where I was watching this, and I think it's almost a little bit unfair to, to compare to LSU because I think they're one of the best teams we've seen in college football in a very long time. You don't um, see a lot of Joe Burrows. You don't see a lot of Trevor Lawrence's. Yeah, yeah, but even but LSU in general, with the receiving core that they've had, with the defense, like you said, their defense wasn't great. They've got five, six guys that are going to be NFL starters next year. Like, we don't have that sort of depth yet, which worries me. You know what I mean? Like, like literally, LSU, the, all of these guys that declared um, their corner, uh, Fulton, their, their safety, Delpit, uh, their lineman, Chasen, they, they, they've got probably, I think it's five, five guys on their starting defense that are going to the NFL that are going to get drafted round one or round two. That's like the Alabama factories that we've seen over the last couple of years. And, like, that's tough to compete with, man. Like, we saw Clifford struggle against Minnesota. We saw, like, we saw our offense struggle against, like, teams that we should blow out. And, like, that's not me blaming anyone. That's just, hey, we're young. We don't have six NFL starters on our team. You know what I mean? Um, so, like, I was in that negative. But then I was also in the, hey, Clemson just stopped LSU twice, pinned them deep in their five, and they couldn't do anything. We could do that. Easily we could do that. And I see Trevor Lawrence make a couple throws. I'm like, Cliff could do that. Of course he could. Hamler's getting open. KJ is there. John Dotson's over there. Journey's running all over these guys. So like my my kind of reaction to that was very roller coaster. Um, I think a lot of it does fall on Cliff. And and we said this last year throughout the season. We live and die on that quarterback play. Like we know at this point, we know at this point we've got a good running back stable. We know we've got a great tight end. We know our wide receivers are going to be a little bit shaky. We know our offensive line is going to be a little bit inconsistent. That being said, the biggest problem in this national championship game, to me, Trevor Lawrence was just missing. Like, once he got out of his rhythm, once he started overthrowing dudes, they didn't have a chance. Because early on, they looked good. And Clemson was like, oh, shit, they're actually going to do this. They're going to take down the mighty LSU. So I think a lot of it relies on Cliff. I think our defense can be there. I think our secondary is probably the biggest question mark, like you mentioned. Like, our run defense this past year was incredible, and I honestly think it could has a chance to be better next year as our linebacker core takes the next step, as our defensive line replaces Etor, of course, but has some really talented people. I think it comes down to our secondary. So, like, I mean, I think the stats are there. They, there's a new graphic every day. We're one of six teams to be ranked in the top 10 for however many years, or one of five teams to do this for this many. You, you've seen all those that the account tweets out. So, like, yeah, I think we're close. I think we're close. I just think we need that, like, I, I feel like we don't have that swagger yet. You know what I mean? 
I don't feel like we have that like aura of confidence that like yeah, we can go into Columbus and beat the shit out of Ohio State, or we can go into Ann Arbor and beat the shit out of Michigan. Like I'm still nervous for those games. So like I'll be honest, I'm still surprised that like Michigan gets for better better recruiting classes than us ever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I, if you look at like our two programs, ours is in better shape. Oh, 100 percent, hundred percent, and like that's that's what I mean is like I don't. <laughs> I don't, and I don't know what solves this, but like I think it's more of the not mentality because like other, I think our team has the right mentality. Like, hey, one and zero, we're gonna go do our jobs. Like, I think they're bought in, but it's still there's still like this this like stink around the program. Like, we're a borderline, we're a borderline top ten team, we're a borderline top five team. Like when we were ranked four in the college football playoffs, so many people were like, eh. That's a joke. They'll be out next week. Like no, it's, yeah. And like everyone talks shit about everyone. Granted, but it's like and I don't they were know. right. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was I was gonna gloss over that fact, <laughs> just just to say. But you know what I mean. Like that that's sort of where I see us. Is like I think we're talented enough. I think honestly, if we played Clemson, it. I think I think I think it would open up as like them being like a eleven point favorite, but I think we'd have a chance to keep that game very close. If we played LSU this year, I don't know. They're amazing. But, like, I, I think we're very borderline. I, I think Joe Burrow could throw, like, 14 touchdowns against oh God. Us. Dude, dude, and honestly, like, in this championship game, it was, like, the first two drives they didn't do anything. And then he opened up, like, that 50-yard bomb to Jamar Chase. And I was like, all right, it's over. Like, it was gorgeous. Perfectly placed. Perfect route. Perfect everything. It's like, we need to make that jump. And... Yeah, I, I hope it's I hope it's this year. I really do. Like I think we've I think we're at a point where yeah, we lost a few guys, but we've got we've got a lot of guys returning too. So very excited to see how Cliff progresses. Yeah. How you know, who opens up in terms of the wide receiver core. Yep. What the new offensive coordinator brings. There's so many question marks. So let's let's try to play a voicemail right now from Sweens. We're gonna see if this works. What's up, fellas? Sweens getting back on the horn. Wishing you guys a happy new year, 2020. It's going to be a good year. Uh, I just got back from my honeymoon, so I'm feeling nice and rested and ready for the new year. Um, I'm sure you're going to get into it down the road, combine coming up, but any early predictions on what KJ Hamler and YGM are going to run in their 40s, maybe some other metrics they might put up. Also, how do you think they're going to set up the, the defense and specifically maybe the linebacking core next year in terms of where they might move around Micah and some of the other stuff they're going to do to utilize the talent they have and, and make it a really, hopefully, scary defense in 2020? Um, going to have a ton of time to talk about it, obviously, but just trying to get some thoughts flowing. So I'll be in touch and uh, can't wait to listen. See you. First of all, Sweens. Honeymoon, congrats, man. Congratulations. Hope the wedding was amazing. I'm a little upset we didn't get invited, but that's fine. Uh, honeymoon, I'm sure, was incredible. Uh, a lot of We're questions there. Provide entertainment, do a live podcast. I could have done a tight five. I'm just Yeah. Saying. Do you guys know Pat's a stand-up comedian? He's very funny. I've seen some of his sets. Check him out. Uh, um, oh, I love how I was leaning in to listen, and then halfway through, it was like, I have headphones on. <laughs> <laughs> It's funny because I saw you leaning in and I was like, oh, shit, I wish I could turn it up louder. That's really funny. It wasn't going to matter. Uh, if the audio is bad on that, I'll pump it in in post. That's what they say in the biz. Pump it in in post. Um, a lot of questions there. Uh, I think his first one was about uh, KJ and Uter, right? Yeah. I have no idea what Uter usually runs in terms of a 40, but 
I could see him in like the four six range. Four uh, six ish. Yeah. I, I think he probably uh, runs a little bit quicker than that. Ether Ether's like he's very I, I haven't looked up their Penn State testing numbers, so I genuinely don't know. I think Yitor could be like that sneaky fast guy where like he doesn't look like he is. He plays quick, he plays aggressive, but like you look at him and you're like, he's not that fast. But it wouldn't surprise me if he's like a four five nine guy. Um, okay. Which I again I don't honestly for comparison I don't even know what like edge rushers are supposed to run to be honest. Like I know what running backs are supposed to run. I know what wide receivers are supposed to run. I don't know how much it matters for an edge rusher. Like, does it? People like to see the, those numbers on the edge rushers. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. Um, KJ, on the other hand, I think... Uh, KJ's definitely running a sub 4-4. Four, four. Oh, easily. I, I was going to say he's going to be borderline sub 4-3. Like sub 4-3? Ooh, he, I was going in the threes. But. His, he had a quote, I think it was earlier this year, maybe before this season. He said, by the time I leave here, I'm going to be running a 4-2-5. That was like what he wanted to project. He has been hand clocked at Penn State. I know I've because I've read up on on this uh, at like a four two eight, but again, that's you never know with like actual okay. at, your, at your own school, your own guys clocking. It would not shock me if he goes four three flat or like a four two nine. Like that would not shock me at all. Um, I think personally, this year the wide receiver class is incredibly deep, and there are a lot of speedsters. Like, Henry Ruggs from Alabama is unreal. Like, they're talking about him possibly breaking the record. Um, John Ross said it a couple of years ago. I think it was 4-2-2, 4-2-3. Beat, uh, he beat, who was it, Chris Johnson, I think, uh, was the old. Chris Johnson, remember the Titans running back? Yeah. Um, I thought Deion Sanders had the record. I think it was Chris Johnson. I think he had, like, a 4-2-4. Oh, Deion's unofficial. Maybe unofficial. Um I want to say Chris Johnson had it, and if I'm wrong, someone correct me, but I think he had like a 4 2 What did Troy Apke run? Oh, he was like, uh, he could run, run. Yeah. <laughs> um, I forget what his actual time was, but it was real. It was damn good. Um, and that's why I have some confidence in KJ, too, because like the way we've seen our guys run from Dwight Galt's strength and conditioning, like they always test incredibly well. We know he's a speedster. Like You've seen him break off these unbelievable runs in-game. Now he has months to prepare for a single 40-yard dash. Would not surprise him if he breaks a 4-3. Like, and I know that's biased. I know that's like aggressive. That's what I'm going for, man. I want to see that 4 yeah. three a 4-3-5. I'm saying KJ does better than that. Wait, Apke ran 4-3-5? Yeah. Seriously? Yeah. I don't remember that. Holy shit. 4-3-5. I'm Googling it right yeah. now just because I don't believe I'm, you. I, I just Googled uh, it. I mean, I trust you, but I want to make sure. <laughs> yeah, four, three, five. You are correct. Yeah, no. I'm saying KJ beats that. Oh, easily. Um, um, if Troy, can, worst Troy, case scenario. Troy, I love you. KJ's gonna demolish you. I mean, Saquon ran uh, like a four, four, right? And we were all like, <laughs> oh damn, because like people thought he was gonna go in the four threes because his. I remember his Penn State time was like a four, three, three. Um, here nor there. I'm looking at an article from November of 2018. So. Obviously, it was a while ago, but Yitor's got a four-five-two. Um, so yeah, I think I, I don't personally. I don't care as much for Yitor on the forty. I think he's going to dominate drills. I think people are going to fall in love with his character, his personality, um, and he has so like I feel like he still has so much untapped potential. So I'm really excited for Yitor. I think KJ. It's an incredibly deep wide receiver class, um, but. I think he's going to kill it, man. I think he's going to absolutely kill it. Yeah, he's going to impress people at the combine for sure with that speed. 
Yeah, I mean the speed the speed will absolutely impress. It's going to come down to the actual receiver drills. We know he can run routes like crazy. We know he can create separation. There's been a couple drops here and there. If he if he nails his like catching drills, this guy's a first rounder, borderline borderline first rounder, guaranteed second rounder. Um, that's where the mocks have him at least right now. Um, all right, let's get into some more Twitter. You know what? No, we're going to pivot. The, the guys, we're agile. We're going topics to Twitter questions, topics to Twitter questions, and a voicemail mixed in. We're amazing. Um, speaking of KJ Hamler, that was one of our other topics. KJ has declared for the NFL draft. Obviously, we're talking about what he's going to run. Um, you called it. I was, I, was a little, I was a little optimistic that maybe he was still coming back. You, you were correct a couple weeks back. Uh, what was your initial reaction when the, when the tweet came out that he was actually going? Well, so I, I kind of changed to your, your tune a little bit because I thought he was just going to announce it after the game. I was right. like, okay, he's waiting until after the game. He's obviously going. But then he was like, yeah, I still have to talk to coach. I was like, oh, wait a minute. The decision hasn't been made. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. he could be staying. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, if he didn't announce it right after the game, I think he's staying, man. I started talking myself into it. I was like, man, this receiver class is deep. You know, it looks pretty good next year. Yep. Uh, yeah. And then when he finally went, I was super bummed, but not, yeah. not that shocked. Yeah, it sucked. I was, uh, so I was in Philly for uh, one of my best friend's birthday. Shout out Lee Slosberg. Uh, it was New Year's Eve when he tweeted it, I'm pretty sure. Um, and uh, our other friend, Ryan Liver, shout out. Uh, he got the notica- notification on his phone. My phone was charging other side of the room. So I like jumped up. I was like, ah, shit. Everyone's like, do you really have to tweet that quick? I was like, listen, I have a draft saved. I've been waiting for this for weeks okay uh and then i tweeted and had a typo so i had to delete responsibility it to the people okay? that's what i'm saying man um i thought it was a pretty good tweet it was the little girl who's like crying but trying to stay tough and it was me being told that kid is going pro and there's nothing i can do about it um yeah it sucks man as a penn state fan it sucks like of course you want to see him back in the blue and white for one more year for all the pieces that we talked about that are coming together that could be for next year but do i get it of course like He's like I said. He's and you've mentioned this many times in the past. If you are going to declare early, you should be going round one or round two. He has consistently, consistently gotten round two grades, and now starting to get round one. Like stick to football. Uh, Bleacher Reports uh, football podcast. Matt Miller, Connor Rogers. Shout out those guys. Um, their last mock, they had him going number twenty-four overall to the New Orleans Saints in round one to line up opposite Michael that. Thomas which would be so fucking cool. Like, it's, it's hard to blame a guy. Like, he's going to go make millions of dollars, fulfill a lifelong dream. And again, this is not a knock, but KJ's a smaller dude, man. That one more year of wear and tear in college for what? Like, that's it. So, very excited for KJ, uh, but obviously leaves a hole. Uh, so let's get into a Twitter question around that. Um, it's not CJ, it's... Someone else asked about wide receivers. Uh, oh, here we go. Jack Durbin. Uh, Jack Durbin, I think, is new to Twitter. Followed us on Instagram for a while. He used to DM me on Instagram. Also, I'm pretty sure that's the name of the principal from AP Bio. Is it? I watched that show for like the first season. I haven't kept up on it. Very good show, actually. I really enjoyed it. I like got back to that. Uh, Jack Durbin. Uh, his Twitter is at, at Chevy Suburban. Got it? Suburban. It's very funny. <laughs> he says, what do you guys think about Slade turning into a slot receiver? We've heard this many times before. Shout out to, I don't remember who originally brought that up, Sweens or Shane or someone. Um, 
He said, I know it's been talked about before, but looking at the two positions right now, running back could be as many as six deep if everyone's healthy and wide receiver is seriously weak for us. And then I also got another DM from Eric, who his Twitter name is at, Eric52142598. It's a lot of numbers. Uh, he says, hey guys, really enjoy the pod. Eric, thanks for listening, man. Uh, says, on a scale of 1 to 10, how worried are you about the receivers? Let's let's just jump into it. KJ's gone. Receiver is obviously concerned. Where's... Let's start with Eric's question. One to ten. What's your worry level? Your panic so I, w- I want to apologize to Jack Durbin first because the character from AP Bio is named Ralph Durbin. Oh. Sorry, Jack. Do you uh, want to take a time out? Do you want to go think I, about what you just said? I'll take a lap. <laughs> uh, Glenn Howardson's character is named Jack. That's, okay. Yeah. I, he's incredible in that show. I love, I love him. Uh, Dennis, but Dennis I would Reynolds. say how worried at scale one to ten, I am a five. Okay, I like that because I, I actually I responded to Eric and I said I'm probably about a five or six, so we're aligned. Yeah, I think Jahan's gonna have a big season. Uh, he's shown flashes of greatness, mm-hmm. and he's had a few games where he was he had more receptions, more yards than KJ. I think being sort of on the field the same time as KJ, he just got overshadowed sometimes. And between him and having Fryermuth on the field at the same time, those are two really great options. So I don't, you know. You got two solid options like that in the field. I don't think it's gonna ever gonna be like bad news, but I am concerned about depth for sure. Yeah, and I think that's exactly right. So I think there's a couple things to think about here. Obviously, we know we have a strength at tight end. We know we have a strength at running back. You bring in a brand new offensive coordinator who has obviously success at Minnesota, has had success in his past. You hope that he is able to assess the strengths, assess the weaknesses, and create a game plan around that. Right, like we all know, wide receivers not deep. A new wide receivers coach. Yes, yes, and we will get to coaching changes in just a minute. Um, but you hope that like this guy's a veteran OC. He's going to look at that and say, "Okay, I'm not as deep in wide receiver as maybe I was at Minnesota when I had a couple of NFLers. I'm going to create my game plan to that." Um, and it is tough, man. Like going back to the first question of how close are we to the LSU's and Clemson's? You look at both of those offenses. Both of those offenses had two to three bona fide wide receivers on the field. Like you look at LSU, Justin Jefferson just declared for the draft. Jamar Chase, who is the best player on the field, in my opinion, is a true sophomore, so can't declare. And then they had a couple other like uh, reliable guys. And then you look over at Clemson, uh, T. Higgins, draft. Justin Ross, sophomore, can't go. But like they have multiple guys who are incredible. And um, shout out Tony Black again. He tweeted like, we haven't really had that since the Godwin Hamilton days. You know, like. KJ Dotson was probably as close as we've come recently. So, like, am I worried? Yes, because there's not any, like, proven commodities. But also, like, I'm generally an optimist. You guys should know that by now from listening to this. Um, I think Jahan's going to blossom. Like, he he showed some real promises here, and I think he's going to do very well. Everyone starts talking about the, uh, the true freshmen that are coming in. You got to remember, we brought in two guys in last year's class. John Dunmore from Florida came in as a four-star. He redshirted this year. I hope he's ready to be a very strong piece of this offense. Like, he was a highly touted wide receiver. So, yeah, I hope he is a piece of it. And then, yeah, of course, you bump down to the true freshman. Um, you look at, you know, Keandre Lambert, very highly recruited. Parker Washington, very highly recruited. Um, Jaden Dotton, very highly recruited. Norval Black, Juco transfer. Malik May, I don't know how to say his last name. I'm sorry, Malik. Um, you brought in five wide receivers in this class for a reason. You know it's you know it's a gap. 
Um, and don't forget, you still have guys like Matt Hippenhammer and Cam Sullivan Brown. Have they been shining stars? No. Could they possibly transfer or do something else? Sure. But like Matt Hippenhammer has shown that he can be a suitable wide receiver at times. Am I saying he like some flashes? Am I saying he's going to transform more offense? No. But like I don't know. I'm I'm not like to the question from Eric one to ten. I'm not here sit sitting here like it's panic time. Like hit the panic button. Is it going to be a weakness? Sure. Do I think some guys are going to really like blossom from this? Yeah. I would say, is it going to be weakness? Maybe. I like that. I like that. Yeah. And obviously, we would love to have Justin Shorter. Wish he would have stayed, but looks like it's all but ink dry on the paper that he'll be a Florida Gator. Um, yeah, it sucks, but it is what it is. I love Jahan Dotson. I very promising for John Dunmore, and then we're going to need some guys to step up. And honestly, that's that's it. Like you, you can't. You can't make something out of nothing. Like it's, it, You can't just magically produce wide receivers. Some people have mentioned, like, hey, maybe we get someone in on the transfer portal. That would be great. I would love There's that. talk of uh, what's-his-name from Wisconsin. Uh, oh, yeah, the guy that had the return in the, the Rose Bowl. He, like, had a kick return. Crookshank? No. I forget his name. There's a guy from Wisconsin. There's uh, Tariq Black from Michigan who's in the portal. Um, Solomon Enos, who's Curtis Enos' son. Uh, was apparently leaving Arizona, I want to say. There's there's some receivers out there. Would it be great if we get one of them in? Sure. But, like, I don't know. I'm I'm not super bought in yet to the, like, build your team through the transfer portal. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, guys in the transfer portal, uh, except for, you know, one or two quarterbacks a season, are going to be guys who weren't playing at their school <laughs> like yeah. no one's gonna be the best receiver in the country and like you know what though i think it could be better <laughs> <laughs> yeah most of them are gonna be role players like like uh i mean we got weston Carr. he didn't really see the field like i, I i'm sure he's a great dude didn't really I mean, happen you, you can transfer in people who have potential yes like exactly potential like Tariq is- black Tariq black was a great receiver for michigan i don't know why he's leaving i don't know if he's confirmed to be leaving but he's in the portal he would be a great addition but like I don't know. Some people, some people are on the. This is the way college football is, and this is new recruiting. Like you have to be aggressive in the transfer portal, and I get that. I see it. But like I'm not fully there yet. Like for me, anything we get in the transfer portal is like a nice bonus. But I'm not. If I'm a, if I'm a head coach or an offensive coordinator, I'm not sitting there saying like, all right, I need to build my team through this. Like you know what I mean? Agreed. Um, all right, so that's most of the Twitter questions. Let's get one more from CJ. Says, uh, how do you think, as of now, the running back rotation will work? Then uh, he has a couple others. Let's start there. How do you think the running back rotation will work? Uh, well, I actually, I do kind of want to see Ricky Slade transfer to a slot receiver. Oh, yeah, we didn't answer that question. My bad. Uh, I think he's quick. I think he's effective when we pass the ball to him. Um, and we just have so much depth at running back and not that much depth at wide receiver. I think it would be a great thing. I, I'd rather see Ricky Slade as a slot receiver on the field consistently than our third running back. Yeah, and the, and the this I mean, scary is maybe not the right word, but like the the interesting part is, again, you just brought in two four stars in Kaziah Holmes and Kevon Lee. There's I mean there's already talk like Kaziah Holmes is an early enrollee like. There was an article that uh, I think Jaywon Sider said he's going to be a household name, which, of course, is a coach pumping up his player. That's what you're supposed to say. But, like, if these kids come in with the same kind of swagger that, you know, Noah Kane and Devin Ford came in with, 
Now you got six dudes in that room who can play, you know? So my answer to this, and I think I DM Jack back on this, was like, I don't know if we see a formal position change. Like, I don't think you see it on the roster of Ricky Slade, wide receiver. I think he's going to be a running back because that's, like, I don't know, that's who he is, and he, he can run the ball. We've seen that. But do I think you see a lot of packages with him lined up in the slot? Yeah, probably. Like, if you're, again, if you're Kirk Sharaka, why wouldn't you? Like, you're looking at your strengths, your weaknesses, where you have depth, where you don't. Yeah, he's been very effective as a pass catcher. Why not? Yeah, I, I think it's a great idea. Yeah, so that being said, um, rotation-wise, what do you think for the rotation? We got at least at least four guys in the running back, possibly six guys. Um, and again, if you're a head coach or a offensive coordinator or a running back coach, like, this is the point where you need to really sit there and go like, okay, should we burn these red shirts? Kind of dumb. Um, yeah, I got to imagine someone's catching a red shirt. At least one of the two in Kaziah Holmes and, and Kevon Lee. Like, we saw Noah and Devin both burn them this year, which we didn't expect. One of those guys is absolutely red shirting, which is, again, they can play four games, so that's cool. They'll get some playing time. But at least one of them has to be red shirting. Um, yeah, I mean, I think Journey Brown's got to be your number one. Uh, he's shown at the season. And then Noah Kane, I think, is a clear number two to me. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's funny because we spent so much time, um, say, like the first five weeks of the season, trying to figure out what it was going to look like. And now it feels like it's clear as day. Like, it's Journey. And I would even say Journey as one, Noah as one A. Like, they are your thunder lightning. You know, like, and as much as I talked about Journey running through the guards earlier, like, he is your speedier, flashier guy where Noah is your hammer, um, which we saw in was the Iowa game where he just yards after yards after yards. Like yeah, Especially I, at the end of the game where his defense is tired, he's a tough guy to bring down. Hell yeah. So the way I see it working next year, and of course we have months and months and months to figure this out, um, I think it's Journey and Noah as your 1-1A. One one and then Devin Ford is kind of a nice mix of both, but I think he's your like relief back. Like If someone's injured, if someone's tired, if someone needs a break... He's in there, and he can do either. Like, I don't think you have to change the game plan much for him. Um, and, of course, that leaves Ricky. And, yeah, I think you see him line up in the slot more. I see. I think you see him when he's yeah, in there. I think Ricky and Devin are kind of on equal footing. Yeah, that's probably fair. Maybe, if anything, I would put Ricky ahead of Devin Ford. Yeah, experience. Uh, but, again, I kind of just want to see him in the slot. Yeah, and I think, like, again, I've been a big Devin Ford fan since the early days. Like, Kit is talented, and, and he will have his time to shine, too. So, like... It's. It, I mean, he was he was a true freshman this year. Yeah, it's a good problem to have, but it's a problem at the same time. Like, um, I th- I think what happened is I think we ran into like a logjam of guys who are good that are all still having eligibility. Like, sure, Miles sat behind Saquon and then he went, and then Miles had a good year and then he went. Like, the plan was almost like, all right, it's gonna be Ricky for a year or two, and then the freshman, and then the freshman, and then and now it's like, oh wait, wait, Journey's gonna be the guy. And the freshman's that good, and they both have to play, and neither of them can go to the NFL yet. Like, you yeah. run into a little bit of a backlog there. So, good problem to have. I imagine our 2021 class will have one running back, if any. Um, I mean, of course, you're always going to take a running back, and we're starting to build a reputation as a school that produces running backs. I'm sure we'll get a good one. Um, we should. I cannot see them taking two again. That would be absurd. Um. All right, so that's from CJ. I think we're pretty aligned on the running back rotation. But again, I, I mean, there's so many months, you never know what's going to happen. So uh, let's pivot now. We have some more questions that we'll get to, but let's go to coaching changes, man. 
Um, all of this that we're talking about for the team and the future and how it's going to work out, a lot of it depends on these coaches. Uh, so we already talked about Kirk Shiraka, new OC. His uh, last episode, if you guys didn't check it out, talked all about him in the last one. Um, the next one, bit of a surprise here. Matt Limegrover, offensive lineman, is out. Pat Calicchio, our offensive line aficionado. How do you I wouldn't feel, say man? aficionado, but definitely offensive line critic. Same, same. Uh, what do you think, man? We, we talked about this, um, I don't know, probably right after the end of the regular season, before bowl season, and I remember this conversation. You and I were talking, and I said, Ronnie and Lime Grover have to go. And you said, there's no way you fire them after an 11 or a 10 and 2 season. And I remember I said, I said, you are right. I just wish there was a way it could happen. And again, not an attack on any individual people, but for the program, I thought it needed to happen. With Ronnie, we saw the soft exit of, hey, your old Dominion's coach. I did not see this coming, that Matt Lyman was going to get fired. What was your... The uh, offensive line was better this season, I Better, thought. better, but... I mean, but it was, I mean, you saw it in the bowl game for sure. The pass blocking was not good. Mm-hmm. And, and also, I think that's been a real issue in his tenure. It's just really inconsistent pass blocking. Yeah, I, I mean, I think there's been issues with the run, too, in the past, but, like, for me, it was my, my biggest worry was that we were better this year, but better than what? Like better than really bad, better than just bad. So like better meant average. And again, not trying yeah, to not, not good enough to go into the horseshoe and beat Ohio State. Not good enough to At match all. up with an LSU defensive line or a Clemson yeah. defensive line in the national championship. So like I didn't see a I did not see this happening, but I'm very happy that Franklin pulled the trigger because I think it needed to happen. Um, and again, Matt Limegrover, probably a very nice guy. I'm sure he's a great human being. I'm sure he has a great family. Wish you the best of luck. But I think it had to happen because my worry was that we were good enough this year to buy him another year, and then we would be having the same conversation next year. Now, yeah. Limegrover's moved on. Best of luck to him. And we bring in Phil Troutween. Troutwine. I don't know how you say it. I'm going to go with Troutwine. Troutwine. Phil Troutwine. Um, what do you think, man? What do you know about Phil? I mean, I don't know anything about any offensive line coach, but I think <laughs> this was a home run hire. Home run. Okay? Home, home run. run hire from Boston College. Hell yes. Um, I mean, and this actually, again, like, it wasn't like when names of offensive line coaches were coming up. I was like, well, you know who we need? <laughs> <laughs> we need that guy. We need Phil so much <laughs> I but, have his trading card. Yeah, as Doesn't soon happen. as like his name started coming up and like his resume started coming up, I was like, "Wow, yeah. this sounds like a really good hire." Pretty young guy. Uh, was at Boston College. They had nine. Was it nine All Conference uh, players under his tenure? Is that right? I didn't see that stat, but that's impressive. Something crazy like that. Yeah, he's uh, he's got a good. He's got a pretty good resume. And so I think he, that's only in two years. Yeah, so, so he, he was only with them for two years. Um, he. He was an offensive lineman himself back in the day, played at LSU. Uh, he was a starter, his, I think, his senior year um, on, I don't know if it was a national championship team or an SEC championship team, but he played, played, at, a, played at a pretty good level. Uh, played in the NFL for some years, uh, from 2009 to 2012. Probably also, That's going to help with recruiting so much. A guy who can come in and be like, hey, I won an SEC championship. I won a national championship. I played in the NFL. That's yeah, a- okay. The lineman's going to want to get recruited by. 
Hell yeah. Here you go. Hey, um, you did all those things. I want to see, I want to play under a guy who did that, who could show me how to do it. Yep. So he was first, first team all SEC in 08 as a starter. SEC puts out some good linemen. First team all SEC. Uh, SEC championship 06 and 08, and a national championship uh, 07, 09. I think 07 he didn't play. I think he, he played in the 09 one. Um, but still, he can sit there and say, hey, I was an SEC champion. I was a national champion. I was first team SEC. I played in the NFL. Also, I just coached Boston College, who was top 10 in sacks allowed and rushing guards for the past two years. And that's Boston College. It's Boston College, man. Like, and I, I know these stats can always be skewed, but I and, and somebody asked me this, like, oh, is that consistent or is that just last year? I don't know, man. I'll do I'll deep dive it's it. Years, I'll deep dive at some point. But last year, they were number eight in rushing offense, averaging five yards a carry. Um, pretty good. And again, that speaks to your running backs, of course, but starts with the O line. And then sacks allowed. This, I think, is where it gets really, really impressive. Um, in uh, 13 games, they've about 13 sacks. It's one good. sack a game, fourth in the country. Oh, and they play team. Clemson once a year. Yeah, they do. So that, that, so. Should, that should inflate the average at least a good percentage. Um, and yeah, But that's the thing. Like, I don't care who you play because... Again, you're Boston College. You're not that good. So even if you're playing the rest of the ACC team, some team should be able to you know, get to your quarterback. That, to me, is impressive. Um, he's had some really good people on his, on his line. I think there's been a couple of, uh, like you said, all ACC guys. Um, I'm excited, man. I watched, the, I watched the video of him. He interviewed with uh, Mitch Gerber, the, uh, the in-house uh, guy that interviews, frankly, the players. Said all the right things. Um, can I tell you, though? I have one red flag. Do you know what the red flag is? I'm I'm a little worried about this. I don't know. He's skinny. Skinny. An offensive line coach. I picture a fat fuck who's like way out of shape over his playing days. Doesn't give a shit. Like Bob Wiley from Hard Knocks with the, with the Cleveland Browns. Who's going? I have hut, to imagine. Hut, hut, hut. Isn't he a like, defensive line coach though? Yeah, sure. But like that's what I picture when I think of an offensive line coach. Is like this this big dude with a gut. Like oh, all American football. Like. Obviously, it's a bit of a joke, but I was when I saw his picture, I was not expecting that. Yeah, well, I have to imagine he was pretty big when he played. Oh yeah, I looked those up too. He was. <laughs> yeah, so I'm, I'm. If anything, I think this is a kind of guy players are gonna see like, hey, he hasn't he doesn't let himself go. Took care of himself he after the game. He's probably still getting laid. Yep. The guy, <laughs> I tell me how to live my life. Yeah, yeah. So obviously a joke, not really a red flag, but that did catch me by surprise. Was not expecting that at all. Um, and he did like our tweet. I, when I tweeted out, uh, people well, are saying, say, uh, people are saying more. Coach Troutween should come on the No Name Paul Game podcast. He liked that. So oh, you're, baby. Yeah, you're a listener, so shout out, Phil. I will say, though, I do, uh, I do know uh, our, one of our former centers uh, who played, he was the center for Daryl Clark. I forget his last name. His first name is Doug. He was a okay. big dude when he played it. He's fucking ripped now. Isn't it crazy? Like, like 4% body fat. Isn't that crazy? And a lot of yeah. players do that. Uh, who was the guy on the Browns? Joe Thomas just did it recently. Like, he retired from the game, and a year later, he's, like, ripped. It's insane. So, yes, of course, very happy. Phil Troutwine, Troutween, uh, new offensive line coach. Very excited for that. Um, next one, which, again, we did not see this coming, Jared Parker, after one year as the wide receivers coach, has moved on to West Virginia as their offensive coordinator. The wide receivers coach spot is open. This will be our fourth 
wide receivers coach in four years. Went from Josh Gaddis to David Corley to Jer- Jared Parker. I almost called him Gerard. Jared Parker to question mark. So, thoughts? Yeah, I mean, this is one that you don't love. I thought we had a good answer uh, with Parker. Um, I haven't heard any real buzz about who the next one could be. Um, but, you know, with this is it's a position group that needs work, man. Yeah. So I'm hoping we get, you know, one of these hires. That I've loved the two hires they've made in Chiraca and Troutline, and I'm hoping we get another one like it. I agree. Um, yeah, I, uh, I, I did like it hurts because I, I liked, I liked Parker a lot. Um, obviously, I loved Gaddis. If you know me, you know I'm a huge Josh Gaddis fan. David Corley came in, was put in a bad spot. Uh, he was supposed to be the running back coach, got switched to receivers, wasn't a good fit. And then they bring in Parker, and I'm like, okay, I actually kind of like this guy. I like his vibe. I like what he's doing. And I, I tweeted out like the players seem to love him. Like this hurts. And got a couple of tweets, and like, this is not a knock on any of those people either. Uh, I think it was Lefty Marlins who tweeted at me, which, shout out Lefty, I like you, you're, you're a good person. Um, was like, uh, yeah, of course players are supposed to like their coach. Like, it's not about that. If it was about that, let's just go hire the nicest guy. I'm like, that's not what I was trying to say. Obviously, it's hard to convey things over Twitter. Like, I think there's a difference between players, like, liking their coach and respecting their coach and, like, actually having a real bond. Like and, and I tweeted this. What what struck me was in KJ's. They have with Joan Sider. Yes, Sean Spencer. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Like you, you can tell the difference. What kind of struck me a little bit was in KJ's draft letter. He said like he was thanking everybody in his letter, and he's like, "Thank you to Coach Franklin, blah blah blah." And he goes, "And thank you to Coach Parker. You know, you've become uh, my biggest mentor and a father figure away from home for me." And like, that's with one year together. This is KJ's moment. Like, this is his draft letter. He doesn't owe Parker anything to say that. Like, obviously, he felt that. You know what I mean? Like, that that to me showed, like, okay, this is this is a guy that players really loved and respected. Um, and I get it. You know, somebody else said, I forget who, someone was like, this is, this is par for the course of being a top program. Your assistants are always going to get poached. And I was like, yeah, that's fair, too. Like, my point was, I liked this guy. I would have liked to see him over the next two to three years blossom this wide receiver core into a really great unit again um so it is what it is it sucks like i wish him best of luck that's great he got an offensive coordinator job um i have no idea who we're gonna bring in um the only candidates that i've heard uh first and foremost is bobby angram (laughs) yeah obviously um bobby angram and we're back sorry a little technical difficulty wide receivers coach um yeah, Derek Moy, everyone always brings up, but anytime there's an opening, I always hear Bobby Engram's name, obviously a very prolific wide receiver back in the day. Um, he is currently the tight ends coach at the Baltimore Ravens, was their wide receivers coach for a while. He was their wide receivers coach from 2014 to 2018, and then this past year they moved him to tight ends. Um, it's hard to see. Obviously displeased with the move. Yes. He's- Back to Penn State. Coming to Penn State, returning home, it's going to happen. Um, no, I think he's probably very happy at a Baltimore Ravens team with Lamar Jackson that he gets to coach people who are catching passes from Lamar Jackson. That's my thing. That's uh, my guess. But what was funny is that someone edited his Wikipedia recently. I promise it was not me. I don't know how to edit Wikipedias. Um, but it said he is currently the wide receivers coach at Penn State University. That shit always cracks me up when anyone edits a Wikipedia because, like, 
it's so funny that that's like something that all of us rely on for information and is totally editable by like anyone. So yeah. if you want to believe that, he's coming to be the wide receivers coach. Um, and then the only other one I've heard is uh, Michael Johnson. So we have a quarterback on our roster right now, Michael Johnson Jr. His dad was apparently the wide receivers coach at Mississippi State most recently, I believe, under Joe Moorhead. Um, so his name has been thrown around a lot, too. If I have any of those facts wrong, sorry, but that's what I read on Twitter.com. Um, outside of that, I have no idea, man. I don't keep track of wide receivers coach. Just like you said, like we don't keep track of O-line coaches. Like I feel like offense coordinator, defense coordinator, you know a couple of names that are floating around. Position coaches, man, I couldn't tell you the difference. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not that guy. So we'll see. Um, I will say I think it's, it's one of those that, like, yeah, would I have loved Parker to stay, of course, but with a brand-new OC, this can, be, this can be a big hire for him, too. Like, obviously, Franklin is going to make the hire, but you know he's sitting there talking with Kirk, trying to figure out who the guy is. This can be a very strong offensive regime. Like, yeah, new OC. New offensive line coach, new wide receivers coach. The pessimistic way to look at that is everything's new and it's going to be difficult to get together. Optimistic way is, hey, we're bringing in like a suicide squad of just badass motherfuckers who are ready to turn this around. So that's where I stand on uh, coaching. <laughs> any uh, any other questions, comments, concerns on coaching changes? You know, I'm like I said, it's been a kind of a shaky group the past couple of years with like one star and then just steps down after that i'm excited for us to you know potentially bring somebody in who brings a lot of consistency and a lot of depth to this position yeah yeah i agree um a couple other noteworthy coaching changes from around the league uh keeping up with our old flames joe moorhead obviously let go at mississippi state he is rumored to be the offensive coordinator at oregon interesting don't love it but interesting like a lot of a lot of people, it's funny. Like we hired Kirk, and then it was like I don't know four or five days later that Moorhead was fired. I know. And people, like, ah! yeah, everyone's like, "Oh God, we could have got him back." Like I don't see that happening, man. Like if you if you get demoted, are you really gonna go back to the place that you were just an OC? I feel like that's a bad look. Like it sucks ah. to it sucks to be being demoted to an OC anyway. Like going back to the place that you were before then is almost like uh, like you're walking back, like knocking on the door with like your shoes in your hand. Will you take me back? Like, I don't know. I, I didn't see it happening regardless. So, here nor there. Um, Joe Brady from LSU, who everyone wanted to be the OC, is now the offensive coordinator for the Carolina Panthers under former Penn, Penn Stater, Stater, Matt Rule. Uh, yeah. So, are, are we all Panthers fans now? Is that is that the thing? You have to be. Have to um, be. I, I'll, I'll put it this way. If the Jets trade Jamal Adams, I might become a Panthers fan. <laughs> Honestly, that's not a bad idea. I will follow you I was going to go course. Giants, you know, for Saquon. Oh, can't do but, it. But I'll always be a Saquon fan, but you can't go Giants. Um, I'm honestly, I'm happy for Joe Brady, man. Like, that's cool for him. I'm very, I'm also, like, selfishly happy he didn't become an OC at another college yeah. program. Because, like, listen. He's if, just out of college. If LSU paid him and kept him, cool. Nothing we could do. But if he went to be an OC at any other program in the country and Penn State didn't get him, wouldn't hear the end of it. Anytime, yeah. anytime the offense had a bad game, you would hear, oh, fuck, had Joe Brady. fuck Chiraca. We could have had Joe Brady. So, like, best of luck yeah. to him and his family. He's, he's, what, 30 years old and an offensive coordinator in the NFL? Good for you, dude. Like, good for you. Um, and then, lastly, I read today, Bob Shoup, if you'll remember, 
first defensive coordinator under James Franklin back in the day. Um, he is now at Michigan. Um, yeah, which is like, it's funny. They haven't announced what his position is. I don't think he's going to be the coordinator. They have a D coordinator. Um, but he's Doc, whatever his name is. Uh, Don Brown, right? Don Brown. Don, yeah. Doc, whatever. Same shit. Doc Brown, Back to the Future, Don Same Brown. Shit. Same shit. Same uh, shit. We're going. We don't need roads. <laughs> um, yeah, he. Uh, if you remember, he left Penn State for Tennessee a while back, and that flopped, which was kind of hilarious because like, he was a great D coordinator, and then he was like, Penn State's not the place to be, and went there, and I was like, fuck you, dude. Um, then he went to Mississippi State, was D coordinator under Moorhead, uh, and now he is at Michigan unknown title so a lot of coaching changes this is the time of year um for us we are waiting on our wide receivers coach but other than that um things are pretty much set right now so yeah it's kind of exciting all right let's move on um i think we got one more topic before we get into some other sports and then a couple other twitter questions um 2020 betting odds i tweeted this out we are gamblers we love gambling um if you follow us there is the calicchio classic which is you take Penn State and the under. There's the Hank and Hard line. You take Penn State and the over. We bet it pretty religiously. Um, But one of my favorite things to bet is future bets. Like, it is so fun to me to put money on something that is a long shot in the future and hope that lottery ticket pays out months in advance. Uh, So right now, if you want to look at Penn State to win the national championship this next year, 2020 slash 2021, because the game gets played, uh, anywhere from 30 to 1 up to 50 to 1. So FanDuel. Dude, why not? Like, this is my thing. It's funny. I had I had people tell me last year when I, I was t- saying putting money on Clifford for Heisman, which, of course, I knew was going to lose. People were like, oh, you're flushing money down the drain. Listen, at 50 to 1, if I put 10 bucks on it, you win $500. That's fun. You know how many other dumb things I've th- spent 10 bucks on? <laughs> like, a lot. So... Right now, if you want to bet Penn State to win the national championship, FanDuel has it at 50 to 1. So bet 10, win 500. Some other books have it at 30 to 1, 40 to 1. So shop around depending on where you live, where it's legal. The other fun bet is the Heisman Trophy. So you remember this year, uh, if you remember, we had our friend uh, Nick Dias, Lamb Show, on to talk betting um, before this year. And he gave us the good tidbit that historically, the last however many years, the people who start in the top five odds at the beginning of the year are not the guys that win it. And I think that was the case again this year. Joe Burrow, I don't think, was a top five guy at the beginning of the I year. I think he was like a 20 to 1, and he won it. So, like, long shots typically win it just because the guys that are hyped are overhyped. Um, FanDuel has Sean Clifford at 100 to 1. Might as well lay down, baby. 10 bucks, a $1,000 return. Do I think Clifford's going to win it? I don't know. Maybe. Probably not, but maybe. Throw 10 bucks. It's fun. Yeah. Um, again, shop the books, though, because Bet Online has them at 50 to 1. You're sacrificing half of your money. Find the best odds. Um, what I thought was really cool Bet Online has Journey Brown listed at 50 to 1. Do running backs win the Heisman? No, but cool to see him getting some love. And then um, one of our followers you tweeted at me. Win the Heisman? Huh? It's only ever running backs and quarterbacks. Yeah, but my point being is it's quarterbacks. Like, how many running backs have won in the last 20 years? Two? No, it's got to be more than that. Derrick Henry, Mark Ingram, and I guess Reggie Bush probably. 
Yeah. Right? It's three. Okay, three. You got me. You got me. Um, Adrian Peterson, did he win it? I don't think so. I don't know. I'll have to do. I will. I actually do want to do a deep dive in the Heisman. Shout out to our friends at uh, Walk On Red Shirts. They were tweeting some Heisman stats the other day. Blew my mind. Um, from like years ago, like back in like the fifties and sixties, when running backs dominated, when like an old lineman finished second. So eventually, off season, I'll do a video on that. Um, but to wrap up this segment, one of our followers, Brian Evans, tweeted at me as well. Parks Casino, which I think is Pennsylvania, uh, has Micah Parsons listed at a hundred to one. I would honestly feel, I'd feel better about a Micah bet than I would about a Cliff or a Journey. Like for being real. On um, the Heisman? Yeah. Chase Young was invited as a finalist this year. If Micah has a dominant season. Dots? 100 to 1. Hey, might as well. Throw it down. Throw 10 bucks. Like, these are the fun times. So, uh, <laughs> it's, it's, it's fun stuff. Like, FanDuel. So, FanDuel listed out the top um, odds for national championship and for Heisman. Like, none of the others are going to be available right now. You're not going to see Big Ten championship. You're not going to see Big Ten East. But just for some comparisons, uh, Penn State again fifty to one to win the national champion championship. The favorites, Clemson at two to one, Ohio State three and a half to one, Bama seven to one, Georgia seven and a half to one, LSU jumps up to fourteen to one, Notre Dame twenty to one. You've got Florida, Texas, USC all at twenty five, Oklahoma, Texas A and M, Wisconsin all at thirty, Iowa and Michigan at fifty with us. We had people, uh, we had some Twitter comments, uh, who was it? It was, uh, let's see, someone said, who uh, Who the fuck says Texas? Oh, yeah, here you go, CJ. How the fuck does Texas have better championship odds than us? This is Vegas, they don't man. Have to go through Ohio State. Yeah, and this is Vegas. Like, they're going to they're gonna give those odds so that Texas diehards just waste their money. Like, that's how it works. Um, someone else. Uh, talk about. Right, right. Uh, as, as we talk about throwing our money away. Uh, idiots. <laughs> idiots. Listen, listen, they're idiots. We're smart, okay? Sharps and squares. Uh, and then Lishavar21 replied, Texas is always wildly overrated. Don't worry, they'll end up with three-plus losses. So, yeah, thank you guys for that. Appreciate it. Um, next year's going to be a fun Also, year. their conference is just way easier, so they have an easier path to the yeah. playoff. If Oklahoma doesn't do Oklahoma things, you're in. So... Um, all right, last two Twitter questions, and then we'll get to some uh, basketball and wrestling. Um, sorry, I skipped over these. Nick Rocky um, said, who do you think will be the breakout player next year? So I think we'll do some deep dives on this in some upcoming episodes, but top of your mind, who's your who's your breakout player for next year? So I, I want to choose someone that people aren't, because the, the big two you see named are Jahan Dotson and Jason Oway. Yes. And I think... Good chance that they both will be. I think outside of that, I'm looking for Brandon Smith, man. Your guy. I think Brandon Smith's going to have a big year. Yep. Uh, I'm excited for just this linebacking crew in general. Um, and then outside of Brandon Smith, I also like my guy, Jaquan Brisker, man. Yeah, buddy. Yep. I think he's going to have a big season. Yeah. He's you know, you actually, yeah. You bring me back. We forgot to answer all of Sween's other questions because we just talked about the 40s. One of his questions was about the linebacking core for next year. So um, I agree. I think Brandon Smith will be a full-time linebacker. Brandon Smith, Micah, Jesse Lucada, some Curtis Jacobs in there. Yeah. Yeah, I'm excited for linebacker next year because obviously – so you lose Cam Brown, you lose Jan Johnson. Uh, so your starters next year, Micah, probably. I, I would guess he's a starter. 
<laughs> it's Micah, it's Jesse, it's uh, it's Brandon Smith. Maybe Ellis Brooks though. Maybe Ellis gets that middle linebacker spot. Like we had a we had a conversation the other day with uh, with uh, Tony, Brandon, Alex, the guys that were on, um, talked about Mike is an outside linebacker. What do you think about him moving to middle? I said I'm kind of indifferent. Like he could do it anywhere. I think he could absolutely do it, but I kind of like him outside in space. I think Jesse or Ellis Brooks can be the guy in the middle. I kind of lean Jesse Lakeda. Not that I don't like Ellis. I actually really like Ellis Brooks. Um, but for some reason, I think Jesse gets the nod. So, like, for me, you look at Micah, Jesse, Brandon Smith, with guys like Ellis Brooks, Lance Dixon, Curtis Jacobs. Curtis and, Jacobs, I think, is gonna has a chance to do big things as a true freshman. Absolutely. Uh, every camp he went to this offseason. Killed it. Just, yeah, just, everyone talks about how he was the looked the best at every camp he was at. Yeah, and that's the thing too. Like Brandon Smith, you'll see in a full time role who showed flashes. Lance Dixon, who is also very highly recruited in the same class, now becomes a role player. Um, you've got guys like Nick Tarburton who didn't play. I don't know if he's going to be a linebacker at the end. To be honest, like there's so many guys in the roster that we haven't seen. I'm very very excited about our linebacker core. Um, to answer Nick's question about breakout stars, um, I agree with you in a lot of those senses. For me, it's going to be a wide receiver. I, I'm outside of Jahan Dotson. Like there will be one guy because everyone is so scared about wide receiver. There's going to be at least one guy that's going to just go the fuck off, and we're all going to be like, "Wow, did not see that coming." Okay, which guy? I don't know. That's the problem. <laughs> like, I, my obviously, I'm, I'm banking on John Dunmore just because, like, you can't be that confident in a true freshman unless they're, you know, Julian Fleming's of the world. Um, I don't know. I, I like John Dunmore, man. I, I hope I see a lot from him. And, and then if I have to pick a freshman, it's going to be Parker Washington. Like, okay. I think Keandre Lambert's going to be very good. But Parker Washington, he's oh, like... He's got caught flexing again. I, oh, it's going up there. It's going <laughs> up there, right? Um, I think, like, I think Keandre Lambert's going to be great. I think a lot of their wide receivers are going to be good. But you look at these guys, a lot of them are, like, 175, 180. Parker Washington's, like, 5'11", five, 210. Five, like, he's already built to be a college wide receiver, and I think he's going to impress a lot of people. So you know what? Putting it right there. Parker Washington, breakout star. There it is. Um, all right, I think that's all it's for. Oh, no, sorry. We have one more um, from Nesk, Nesque, Dave DeGilio. Um, We'll answer this quickly because we kind of touched on it in the beginning, but I guess we'll bookend it. He said, lawsuit aside, does Franklin have a character problem with the players he's bringing in? The behavior described, even if not criminally prosecuted, sounds and looks terrible. There was a court, uh, there was a count in Vandy case, uh, the doctor complained, and the luster is wearing off. I answered this one on Twitter, but I, I think this is probably a good wrap-up here before we get into some of the other sports. I, I, I mean, flat out, no. Flat out, no. I don't think there's a character problem. I think you look at the vast majority of players that have been on this team for the last five, six years, even look at just the Franklin era, not even going back before that, stand-up quality guys that you would want to be the face of your program. You look at the Trace McSorley, the Saquon Barkley, the Chris Goddard, the Deshaun Hamilton, the Mike Kosicki. The, I mean, the list goes on and on and on and on and on. I know I just named skill players, but literally any side of the ball, any position like Nick Scott, love. Like John Reed, love. Like you look at these guys, Miles Sanders, Yitor. Like, I, I mean, I literally could name 99% of the guys. I, I don't think I could name the 1% who are bad. Like there's probably some guys that have issues. My hope is that they are dealt with appropriately. They get handled, and they become better men for it. Do I think there's a culture problem? No, I don't. 
neither do I. Like that that's kind of it. So we're rambling. This is a long episode. Um, but a lot to come, man. A lot to come. This is a good season. There I'm excited for next season. We'll do some fun stuff. Uh we, we talked about it last episode, but again, this offseason we'll do some look backs at our favorite plays of the year, our favorite um, you know, favorite moments of the year, things like that, where we'll just go back and have some fun with it. Um but let's wrap up. Uh Pat, basketball, wrestling, things are happening. What's going on in the world of other Penn State sports? What do we want to cover first? Let's go basketball because I feel like it'll be quicker. Okay, so we all were excited about Penn State basketball beating number 23 Iowa, their first ranked game in like a decade. Yep. Huge. Penn State climbed up to number 20. And it's just since lost three straight. Ooh. Rutgers, Wisconsin, and Minnesota. Yikes. And it's Rutgers is actually a surprisingly good team this season. Mm-hmm. Uh, they should be ranked soon. I don't know when it's going to happen, but they should. Um, but then we're coming up against, on Saturday, we're playing Ohio State, who beat us by 30 the last time we played them. Yeah. Um, so, I, I mean, I think this is still a good Penn State team, but they're going to have to rebound soon and hard. Um, and I, I, I think this should still be a team that, even if they don't finish the season ranked, goes to the tournament. They're talented enough. The, the real problem with, with this team that I've been watching is – there isn't a consistent option outside Lamar Stevens. And he's not really a shooter. Like he, he, he drives the basket incredibly. He's got a good short range, like, you know, mid range game. He's not like a three point shooter. He's not a sharp shooter. Yeah. Um, you've got guys like Isaiah Brockington, who they have spurts where they're good and then they're cold. Uh, we've got the big guy, Mike Watkins, who is sometimes great, but is so inconsistent. Uh, you saw it really in the Rutgers game where he had 10 points in the first half. I think none in the second. Ooh. Like we, we just, we've got a bunch of guys around Lamar Stevens that get hot and disappear. And someone has to step up as a really consistent second option. It'd be great if it was a shooter. Yeah. Um, Who's I, a, I, Myron Jones. Is he a shooter? I see his name a lot on Twitter. Yeah. I mean, again, it's, he's hot and cold. I, yeah. It's one of these things that like, we're not getting consistent production out of anyone not named Lamar Stevens right now. Yeah, and he's a beast, man. He's really he's good. And he, honestly, his only real problem is that he gets in foul trouble sometimes. Yeah. In the Rutgers game, he caught two quick fouls, missed basically the entire first half. Uh, the, the officiating that game was tough on Penn State, but to be honest, Rutgers outplayed them and played harder than them. I think this is a Penn State Penn State team that I think generally plays very hard. Yeah. To watch them. Yeah, uh, just up and down the floor, like they and they just didn't really bring that the whole night against Rutgers, um, and it finally just caught up to them. And not and also in Rutgers' uh, defense, they beat Penn State without their best player, so they mm. had their best player on the not on the floor at all that night. So they deserve that. All right, um, but I, you know, got a tough schedule coming up in Ohio State, then Michigan, who's nineteen, and then you know. Those are games that we're going to be a dog for in both of them. Yeah, um, you got to hope to steal one of those games, get momentum back on on your side, and then you have to rebound against Indiana. Like you're going to have to come away with wins against Indiana and Nebraska because then you got Michigan State after that, who Penn State should have beat the first time they played them and kind of gave it away at the end of the game. Um, Penn State's having trouble closing out games. Yeah, sounds a lot like a. Yeah. Uh... It was a lot like football teams of, of past years. Yeah, it happened against Minnesota, happened against Rutgers. I didn't, I didn't watch the Wisconsin game, unfortunately, but 
it's when other teams start to key in on Lamar Stevens, they start to, you know, play a type of defense where you can't really penetrate and sometimes the wheels can come off. Yeah. And you, you gotta hope someone steps up and we just ha- we haven't seen it yet. Yeah. So I've, um, yeah, I've watched, I've watched a little bit, but mostly I follow along on Twitter. A lot of the accounts, if you follow like a, like a Black Shoe Diaries or, or any of those, they, they like live tweet the game. So that's mostly how I consume it. Um, and then watch like highlights that everyone posts. Um, yeah, Lamar Stevens is that dude. Someone put up, uh, someone put up the question, is there a better number duo across sports than Lamar Stevens and Mike Parsons? They both wear 11. Uh, I thought that was pretty funny. Um, yeah, it's, it's tough, man, because like, because basketball has been, you know, so bad for so long, to see them finally off to this hot start, to be ranked for the first time in, what was it, 23 years. Like, so much uphill, 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 and then a little bit of a losing streak. And, you know, that's college basketball. You lose a couple in a row, and, like, all of a sudden you're just out of the conversation. So um, I agree with you. I think we're still in a good spot to, to make the big dance. Uh, March Madness, you know, we're, we're getting damn close to that. Um, we haven't been in the tournament since... I think it was like, I don't know, 08, 09 maybe? Uh, no, no. I think we went in 2012 maybe. We lost to Temple in the first round. Okay. I remember, I think when I was in school back in like, back in that 08 to 012, we lost to Richmond one year in the first round. I remember that. I think it was Richmond. That was probably your freshman year. Yeah. So here nor there, it's been a while. It'll be great to see them back there. And, and yeah, you hope you catch some of that that magic that, you know, propelled us into the into the ranks. What did we hit, 20 at our at our top, yeah, I think? We got 20, and we've dropped out since. Uh, yeah. Um, I, th- I think we're going to need a guy like a Myron Jones or an Isaiah Brockton to step up and be a serious contributor that, yeah. get, that can score points at any point in the game that takes pressure off Lamar Stevens. Yeah, agreed. So shout-out to all of our supporters of the basketball team. I will say the people that support that team are fucking diehards, and I respect the hell out of it. Um, hopefully, I, also, I want to see some some more consistent production out of Mike Watkins because man, when yeah. he's good, he's tremendous. He's yeah. great. Yeah, uh, you know, he's I mean, he's averaging ten points and eight rebounds a game. Like that's still very good. Not bad for a big man. Yeah, exactly. So, but it's just he's got you got to be able to see him the whole game. Yeah, agreed, agreed. So Pat Chambers, basketball, we love you. Hopefully, uh, hopefully finish this season strong. Um, all right, Pat, close out with some wrestling. What's happening with our Penn State wrestling? Pat on the mat. Uh, Penn State wrestling. Uh, I Last time we talked, I told you guys about Penn State's first dual meet loss in like five years, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Um, there's good news and bad news for Penn oh, State wrestling. I don't want bad news. The good news is we have rebounded with nothing but wins. Okay, okay. I love that. Love it. Don't so, even care what the bad news is. Yeah, since, since the loss to Arizona State, we've beaten Lehigh 23-10. Uh, uh, the big news out of that match was number one, Mark Hall went up against uh, number two, I forget the kid's name from Lehigh, and beat him by like seven. Nice. Handled him nicely. You like to see it. Um, Mark Hall should, there's no way Mark Hall shouldn't win a national championship this year. Uh, also, no way he, he should or no way he shouldn't? No way he shouldn't. Okay. That scared me. I thought you said there's no way he should win one. And I was like, whoa, 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 where are we going here? Uh, then beat uh, UPenn 33 7. Idiots. Uh, Illinois twenty-two to sixteen, and Northwestern thirty to nine. Nerds. All matches Penn State should win. Um, the Illinois match was concerning. Uh, we we trotted out like a like a third team for half of that match, and we're actually losing like halfway through. You guys then, hurt or what? Yeah, some 
uh, so a couple guys were sick. Okay. Uh, but the, so the big thing that's happened with Penn State, two really big injuries. Oh, is this the bad news? Uh, yeah, this is the bad oh. news. So Kyle Connell, who was wrestling at 197, was the big transfer in Penn State. Um, he hadn't just hadn't been looking good all season. He hadn't been on the mat in a full year. He missed all of last season. Transferred to Penn State, looking for huge things out of him, and he just wasn't happening. And he ended up getting hurt. He's going to oh. be out for the rest of the season. And the really, the one that really hurts is Anthony Kassar. Uh, and the champ? And the champ. Calm down, calm down. Yeah. I'm the champ. Yep. Oh. Uh, went, went to an Olympic qualifying event. So not even like a, a Penn State wrestling event. And separated his shoulder and is going to be out for the rest of the season. And that's most likely going to be how he ends his Penn State wrestling career. Oh, that He's sucks. That sucks. He has another year of eligibility, but I don't think he's going to take it. Um, I think he's going to he's going to try to go to the Olympics in 2020. Yeah, and then I think he's going to move on to MMA. Okay, a lot of guys do that, huh? That's uh, like the new move. More of a thing now. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. But, okay. So that you know, it, it leaves a lot of questions in this lineup because yeah, Ant was that was a guy who at worst was going to finish third at NCAAs. Yeah. He was still the presumptive favorite to win. So who's his, um, who's his replacement? Uh, Seth Nevels, younger brother of former All-American Nick Nevels. I know that name. Anthony actually took his spot as the heavyweight last season. Okay. Um, Seth, I think, is a true freshman. He is a kid. He, he's not – the chances of him winning a national championship this season are slim. Sure. But he, he should be able to All-American. Okay. He should be able to pick up some points for us at the tournament, finish in the top eight. That's good. It's reasonable – uh, request out of him. Uh, we've got a new 125-pounder, Brandon Meredith. Uh, Brody Teske, who I thought was going to be our guy in the season, has already transferred out. He's going oh, to damn. The, yeah. At the University of Northern Iowa now. Uh, but Brandon Meredith has already snuck into the top 25, uh, right at 25. He's a guy, again, he's not going to compete to win a national championship, but he could compete to place. Yeah, hey, the, if you're in the mix, it's damn good. From the 125 spot is that's really what Penn State hasn't had since the one year of Nick Suriano and then Nico Megalutis before him. Yeah. That should help tremendously. Um, unfortunately, it's just – it doesn't look like it's Penn State's year to win one. Oh. Uh, this is a rebuilding year. I don't know State. how to deal with that. Like as a, ca- as a casual Penn State wrestling fan, which I think most people are, and that's not a knock. Like you, you are a Penn State fanatic, and I respect the hell out of that. I think there's a small contingent of people who love and breathe wrestling. The rest of us are like casual wrestling fans who see number one national championship, win eight out of the last nine, and we're like, yep, it's our school. Love it's those guys. Again, and fuck, man, it's a, it's a tough pill to swallow. And the, the only thing that makes it worse is it's, it's going to be Iowa. Oh, that was going to uh, be my next question. Who's, who's going to beat us? We should finish ahead of Ohio State. Okay. I will take that. I was happy to do that. Take that. that. Uh, but Iowa's got an unbelievable lineup this year. I think nine out of the ten guys in their lineup are in the top five. Oh. And I think all ten of them are ranked in the top ten. Murder is real. I think, I think the, their lowest ranked guy is at like 11th or something. That's what we normally are, right? Um. Yeah, except for like one weight class or another. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. For, I mean, if, if we have any chance, what's going to have to happen is Brandon Meredith's going to have to All-American. He's going to have to shock some people. 
Roman Bravo Young would have to beat Austin DeSanto from Iowa. He would have to probably win at 133. He's currently ranked fourth. So it's not out of the realm of possibility. A man, Roman Bravo Young is electric. Anything Love that happen. guy. Love that guy. Uh, Nick Lee is going to have to win it at 141. He's currently ranked second. So again, okay. very reasonable. I think this could be his year, uh, especially with Yanni Diakamahalis out taking a uh, an Olympic red shirt. He's going to have to get past Luke Fletcher of Ohio State, and that's a tall order, man. Uh, but he could certainly do it. Um, at 149, we got Jared Verclearen. He's one of our only unranked wrestlers so far this season, but he's a guy that he's always seems to be in it. Okay. Um, so. So you're, so you're telling me not all hope is lost, but prepare yourself no, for it, it's not. A long shot. Yeah, it's not and not going to be so we, a national championship. Second, okay. but you know, crazy things are always going to happen in the tournament. Like, yeah, like said, Ohio State's got nine guys in the top five. They're not going to finish with nine guys in the top. Five. Right. It's not right. Um, honestly, the big thing that's going to have to happen is Vincenzo Joseph currently ranked number one at Vincenzo. He's going to have to do something he's never done in his career. And that is beat Alex Marinelli from Iowa. That dude beat him twice, right? Yes. Yeah. And he's he's the I think outside of Makai Lewis, the only guy that Chenzo has lost to and never beaten, because uh, he lost to Isaiah Martinez twice, but he beat Isaiah Martinez twice in the finals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Chenzo, but Makai Lewis, the kid who beat Chenzo in the finals last season, is on an Olympic red shirt. But he's gonna have to get past Alex Marinelli if we want a shot at this. Damn. A lot of pressure, man. It's a lot of pressure for Chenzo. It is. Oh, all right. So, what's what's the timeline look like? Where are we at in the season? When does this? When does the like the national finals tournament happen? So, we just started the Big Ten schedule. We've got Rutgers this Sunday, which should be a tough match. Rutgers is a solid team. Um, we should still win that though. Um, and then the big ones are going to be Iowa on the thirty first. Uh, that's going to be a huge test. Yeah. If we can hang with Iowa, that's a great sign. Okay. But like, what, is, what does hang with constitute? Like lose by how many points? Ten or less. Okay. I would say if we lose by less than ten, we should actually be happy with that result. Okay. Because, I mean, they outrank us in almost every weight class. Hey, good teams win, great teams cover. That's what I'm looking that's for true. here. That's right, baby. And then the other big one... Uh, we we don't wrestle um, Ohio State in a dual meet this year, so to be honest, it's then it's just going to be Big Tens. Oh no, we do wrestle Ohio State at February fifteenth at home in the Bryce Jordan Center. Hey, should we sell out? Yeah, if you um, live in State College, go there. We wrestle them Ooh. in Carver Hawkeye, which is whoo, that's a tough one. Yeah, I'm not looking forward to that. <laughs> yeah, but like I said. Also, Penn State's a better tournament team than dual meet team. Always have been. That's the way Kale does it. All he really cares about is, like, yeah, he likes winning dual meets, but what he cares about tournament winning in March. March Madness. Uh, I like that. So, I mean. That's why you come to Penn State. Win big matches, win national titles. Team title. Team That's right, I was close. I was close. Yeah, it's good enough. <laughs> All right. But, you know, it's going it's, it's, it's to be an uphill battle for Penn State wrestling this season. Yeah. But like the good news for the program is an uphill battle is a year that you're projected to come be the second best team in the country. Not um, bad. Not bad. We're going to do what Penn State does. We're going to reload, and we're going to come back. Yeah. 
Hell yeah. We don't rebuild, we reload. That's right, babe. All right, and that was uh, Talking Matt with Pat. Is that what we settled on? I think it was Pat Talking Matt. Pat Talking Matt, Pat on the Matt, Matt with Pat. You get the point. Pat Colicchio on Twitter. Uh, he is all of your wrestling needs. Um, all right, we're going to wrap up because we're at like an hour and a half now. This is a long episode. But guys, I haven't talked to you in a month. This is what happens in the off season. Episodes will be farther and fewer between, but they'll be a little bit longer. Um, we're going to try to do some fun stuff this off season. I think I said this exact same thing last season, and we didn't do any. Uh, but we're going to do some more video content. We've we're got gonna, video now, baby. we got video. We're going to bring in some people. We're going to do some fun interviews. Uh, we're going to bring in some friends. Uh, you'll probably see the group therapy uh, team come back in. Tony, Brandon, Alex. We'll bring in some people that we've been talking to on Twitter. I um, think we're going to do some more YouTube. Or maybe maybe a blog. Maybe you'll see some written word. Uh, there's, there's big things coming from No Names All Game this offseason. We are not rebuilding. We are reloading. We're getting ready. Uh, and thank you guys for following along all year. It's been a fun one. Like I said, obviously, we wish, wish we were in the playoff. Wish we had a national championship. But... It's only going to be sweeter when we get it. So, Pat, first official off-season episode. Anything to leave the fans with? Thanks for coming along on the ride, guys. Yeah. Appreciate you guys, as always. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, No Names All Game. Leave a review on iTunes. This is what you're supposed to say. Thanks for listening. Hopefully, thanks for watching. And uh, we'll talk to you guys soon. Peace out.